We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in. NPW Digital Post Game Show. I'm Chase Parm. Going to hang out a little bit here tonight. Brought to you by Dead Soxy. I'll get to that in a second. Jeffrey Wright joining us here momentarily. Brian Rippey joining us. And then Neil McCready, once he is done with the press conference. Crazy game tonight. Ole Miss knocking off Georgia Tech 48-23. Rebels not just uh, winning, covering as uh, as well. I have some uh, background feed. Let me find that figure out where it is real quick because I hear myself, which is not good. There we go. Solved it. All right. Sorry about that. This will also be up in a podcast form here uh, soon, as soon as I get done with it. So if you miss a little bit, you can uh, catch it there as well. All podcasts on MPW Digital brought to you by Twisted T. We'll, uh, we'll go there in a uh, in a bit as well. So uh, all that coming up here on the uh, on the show tonight. Yeah, just crazy game. We'll get into it here in a uh, just a uh, second we do that let me tell you about dead Soxie. is those good people are the reason we have this here post game show dead Soxie. show you some of the uh the new material we got going on some new socks available there from uh dead Soxie. you can also uh see what they've got going on line as well it's pretty easy you can uh do that check out the uh the screen for that one and see uh what's going on i don't know why that is not working there we go okay Thanks to Dead Soxy for that. We'll jump back in and get Jeffrey now for the uh, the Rebels and the Yellow Jackets. Again, Ole Miss uh, not just uh, not just winning, but covering as uh, as well here to uh, today. You know, rushing for two ninety nine, hitting some uh, some pass plays late as well. Um, a lot of different options here going on uh, for what to start with. Jeffrey, can you hear us? You all good? So right now, um, I have on the Pac-12 networks, it's plural. Um, I have Arizona UTEP because I'm fading the hell out of UTEP. We do have on TV one Colorado and Colorado State. Uh, I'm watching – I think Arizona State is on quit watch. Uh, Fresno State's up 10 nothing on them. That game's on FS1. I've got that one on. And then I haven't decided what uh, the additional television will be. 
So as I said in the opening, not only does Ole Miss win, they end up covering this football game, rushing for 299, hitting some passes late. Alabama's next week, and on a day of where the SEC was bananas in all ways, you've got no one that necessarily looks amazing. You've got all sorts of parody. You've got all sorts of stuff going on. Simply just get the hell out of here and move on with the week. I mean, what what, what is the main takeaway today? So I, I want to ask you a question okay. because I'm curious about this. Are we reading into the second half? In what way? So, if I were to make a case, um, why is is Ole Miss a better second half team than it was last year? Because that was obviously a big big part of the story for Ole Miss last year. I think this would be my case. I think Jackson Dart is a better football player this year, and I think they up the defensive coordinator. So I think they're able to make defensive adjustments. I also think it's obvious they have more depth defense and so if I were to read into what we've seen and I'm I'm still kind of indecisive on whether or not I would the case would be I think Dart the more the more uh, the more snaps Dart gets the better he's going to be and they've upgraded defensive coordinator and I think they have more players on defense this year so I think I can make a case that the reason why they're better in the second half is not just level and quality of opponent, it's that they're a better team. Yeah, look, there's no doubt about that because you look at this game and several things turned it for Ole Miss. In the first half, Georgia Tech has three drives of at least 12 plays. They go 12 plays, they go 13 plays, they go 17 plays. And while they don't score on two of those possessions – Two huge plays by Ole Miss, Xavion Harris blocking the field goal to the opening possession, and then Dejon Anthony potentially making the play of the game. Because if they score there, it cuts it. It's a completely different game. Because that is a touchdown if Dejon Anthony does not grab that out of his hand and if he does not stop that to turn it over on downs there on fourth down. And when you come out of break and they've had that type of possessions on you and it's four plays, punt, touchdown, six plays, punt, touchdown, and you separate right there, no, there's no doubt there was some adjustments. There was no doubt there was some reset. And that's something that Ole Miss has not had in a while. It's a completely different thing. It's something they've done three weeks in a row now where they have gotten better out of the locker room. And then, you know, offensively in the second half, they they, they did things as well. I, I thought that they made some adjustments. They got big-time sparks with Ulysses Bentley. I thought he really had a burst today. We'll get in run game in a minute. But yeah. I, I thought Bentley had a burst. You did a lot of stuff with Dart there. I, in both ways, defensively and offensively, they did a lot of things to feel good about the progression of the program as much as simply winning this football game. Yeah, and just as a, a development of a football team. You know what I mean? Like – Obviously, this team has a lot of roster turnover from last year. But the thing that I keep coming back to in the last two weeks is these were two games that got iffy. And I felt like last year when they got into iffy games, things really turned on them. Like they had the A&M game that was a win. Is that really the only like toss-up? Like when the games kind of got iffy, was that really the only game? I'm trying to think if there was another one. From last year? I guess you could make the argument Kentucky – I guess yeah. you make the argument Kentucky, but I, like they were they were playing in front uh, against Kentucky. But yeah, I, I think you make the Kentucky argument. But to me, the other thing that's very obvious right now, I understand it's Georgia Tech, and I understand that that's not going to be anywhere. Probably, you know, it's probably going to be what of the remaining games on your schedule. 
probably what your seventh toughest opponent, and so I don't I don't want I don't want it to be taken as I'm over you know I'm over analyzing this. But Jackson Dart kind of had the corral game tonight, didn't he? You just tough it out. You run. You hit some passes. I mean, look, he's done it two weeks in a row. I know we said this a little bit on the podcast, yep. but even last week against Tulane. Everything was complicated, and he still made it work. Yep. He scored enough points. He got down the field. He's always sort of been this guy, but he's taken another step into one hell of a gamer right now. I also think he's healthier. Like, yeah. I think, I don't know, was it the LSU game? There, there was one game where I noticed last year, was like, he doesn't look right. Yeah, he got popped um, late against LSU and definitely lost a step at that point. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, that's just kind of what it was, and, you know, yeah, he only finishes ten of eighteen for two fifty one, but did he make a bad read all night? He protected the ball. He made the couple big throws late to ice it to put it away. Um, it, it at least you know we can't tell from our vantage point, but it looked like he made a lot of good decisions on RPOs. I mean, no, no, Dark played a good yeah. a good football game because look, the score has masked this two weeks in a row. But they've been competitive football games that Ole Miss has pulled away from and won, and they're doing so without their top three pass catchers. Caden Priestcorn didn't play tonight. He's got a boot on his foot. They say he's going to be back next week for Alabama. We'll see at that point. Trey Harris has been on MCL watch all week. He's had a cast on his leg all week. He didn't dress out tonight. And then Zakaria Franklin dressed but didn't play. So they're without so many weapons, and then Judkins is banged up. I mean, he's using Watkins and Wade in ways that they're not necessarily supposed to be used and still finding ways to move this offense. No, and I want to give a, a shout-out to both of them. I thought they stepped up. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked when, if they have to be your number one guys in SEC play, that's not really the best formula. But tonight, I thought both those guys stepped up, and I thought they made big-time catches. I thought that they were making big plays, and, and I thought that was a part of the story. I think the other thing to keep in mind, and the thing that I really that I admired about Jackson tonight, when you play a team that is largely air raid based, which is what they were, you go a long if they're if they're clicking like they were tonight, you go long periods of time without the football, and I think that's usually. Usually what you'll see is, like, a lot of times, you know, quarterbacks, younger players, oftentimes coaches, even on the offensive side of the ball, they'll get impatient. And I never felt like Ole Miss tonight really got impatient. Everything I thought they did made sense. And I never felt like, oh, they're pressing, they're pressing, they're pressing. Like, yeah, they got into some some disadvantaged positions, but I never felt like they panicked tonight. And, I, I take a lot of stock in that. Georgia Tech ran 89 plays. Ole Miss ran 56 plays. Time of possession, incredibly one-sided. I mean, it, it was. It was a deal where you said where you've got to you got to maximize. You can easily get frustrated. Tech's constantly doing things, staying on the field, doing all this whatever. And Ole Miss, they, 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 they stayed in their game plan. They was pretty efficient. I mean, I, I get it wasn't perfect, but it's not going to be perfect right now. It just sort of is what it no, is, I, and they still are making something out of not, it. They're not healthy enough to be perfect. But yeah. I also I also tip my cap to them. They made no uh, they made it no secret. They were planning on running the ball tonight. Like they said like this we got to get our run game going. Like that's that's our game plan and we're going to do that. And the fact that they announced like we're going to run the football and they did so tonight, I I think that's also 
I think that's also noteworthy. I mean, I had, I had a friend mention it earlier in the day, and I got to thinking about it and said, no, that's the lockup. And I told Neil right before the kickoff, I said, Jackson Dart's going to run for 100 yards tonight. Because they had to use him. They got to use, they, they gotta use think, that deal. He gets he the 68-yarder. I mean. I think he had it in the first half, didn't he? He had it in the first quarter. Six for 101. Yeah. Yeah, I think he cashed that ticket early. Yeah, six for 101 there. And, I mean, I, I know I mentioned it a second ago. And now, look, ball protection's got to be there. There were a couple times tonight even that I thought he was about to lose that thing. But Bentley had a, has a burst right now that Judkins doesn't have. There is a one-cut kind of burst on Bentley that if he can do that, 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 that'll play. That was something that looked very much a, a part of a run game tonight from Ulysses Bentley. He scores a couple times. I think he ends up with 61 yards on six carries or something. Pretty good vision there on that counter that he cut back for the touchdown. He, he looked like an SEC running back tonight. Yeah, six for 61. I mean, that's the other thing. When you look at Ole Miss tonight, when they tried to run the football, like their success rate was very high. I mean, overall on offense, their total success rate was 46% of the time. So that means basically one out of every two plays they ran worked, and their rushing success rate was 56. So – you know, that was well, well above average. And, again, I'm not – I don't want it to be misconstrued. I don't think because you can run it on Georgia Tech that that means you're going to go into Tuscaloosa next week and run the football. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to apply context with, hey, they, they basically gave us their game plan. They said this is what we want to work on. This is what we want to do. And that's – to me, like, that's – okay, that's a baseline for me to judge them on. And I thought they came out and they executed, and I tipped my cap because, you know, sometimes when you do stuff like that, like you tell people you're working on stuff, it doesn't work out, and you say, well, it's a work in progress. Well, I thought Ole Miss made great improvements from last week to this week. The line was better. They were more physical. They didn't have as many breakdowns up front. Running backs were good. No, they, they, no, they, st- they, they still stayed have, with it. They Go ahead. Problem that Pettis, they still have a problem that Pettis, uh, he holds on every play. Yeah. He was flagged for two tonight. Is that right? Yeah, just two. But he could have been flagged for at least five by my count. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it is what it is. I, I, I got, I'm, just, I'm just letting everyone know, like, when, when, when he gets flagged for holding in Tuscaloosa, it's not a league order mandate. He holds all the time. So, I want to flip a little because I got plenty of Ole Miss stuff coming up. It's going to be a show for a while. Alabama, what the hell's going on? 17-3 over South Florida today. They have zero quarterback play. They played Buckner today. They played Simpson today. Milrow didn't play today. But, look, it's a ton of quarterback. It's not only quarterback. I mean, they did nothing against the Bulls. No, but I guess let's start with this question. Yep. Is Is Milrow their best option? If those two guys are going to throw like that, one of those, ten, 10 of 23 for 107. Well, so to be clear, I wouldn't even consider Buckner. Buckner, Buckner gives you nothing. Like, Buckner, Buckner wouldn't even be a good quarterback in the MAC. Like, he really wouldn't. Um, to me, this becomes a question of does Simpson give you enough downfield passing that you have to consider it? But. I think you have to, like, at least acknowledge Milrow won the job out of summer and it wasn't an accident. And the more that they were going on tonight, like, 
I started to realize, like, yeah, they, they don't have a quarterback, but he might be their best option. Like, this team feels so much like that 2015 team where they couldn't figure out the quarterback. They started with Coker. They benched Coker. Like, to me, like, maybe that's what it is. Like, you start with Milrow. You bench Milrow. You wind up going back to Milrow. You start figuring out what he is, like, how to game plan around him. But let's also be clear. Yeah, that offense has an identity problem, but that defense is still legit. There's not, though. Here's the deal. That 15 team, as you kind of said, they won with Coker. This team doesn't have anything close to that. No matter what they do, there's not an option that's going to carry them to some 11-win season. It's just not there. I mean... I agree. I I agree, but also... No, no, no. I, I, I agree in terms of that, but, like, my bigger deal is they don't have a great option. Are they better off just, like, at least Milro, at least, you know, Milro does something well. I don't think you can say some, I don't think you can say the same for the other two. The, like, Ty, Ty Simpson is more potential than anything. Buckner is more familiarity. Like, the idea with Buckner was he gave you a high floor. Well, their floor today apparently was three points against South Florida, who I think gave up 50-something to Western Kentucky. This is, yes, uh, th- this is one of those where it, it, it's the quarterback equivalent, I think, which is agreeing with your point that Milrow's the best guy, of when you want a team to go into halftime and not try to score because you're like, God, no, just do the thing that makes me very, very uncomfortable or do this or whatever, I think Milrow is the quarterback that will make the most opponents uncomfortable from a fan base standpoint. Because he can run around, and he can do some stuff, and you go, shit, we got, we got to at least hold him in some way. I think every fan base would go, oh my God, yes, please God, give me Simpson or Buckner and try to throw the football and beat you this way. I mean, there, there is something definitely about the way that at least he can operate that freaks out a fan base. He's the only one of the three that has any chance with that. Forget fan base. If you're Pete Golding, aren't you saying, please, God? I guess this is kind of how I would look at it. If I'm Pete Golding, I would say, please, God, play Buckner because I know that I can stop Buckner. Um, I'd be a little concerned about Simpson because I do think Simpson would give you a downfield passing um, aspect, like potentially. He could open up the passing game in a way that would maybe scare you. But the guy that would scare me the most and I'd have to game plan the most for is Milrow. And and I acknowledge that I think Milrow is limited and whatnot. But, I mean, I watched every snap of that game today. Like, they don't have a good option. What is this line tomorrow? I was, I was talking to your brother about that. So, we have no idea. My gut says, because the game's in Tuscaloosa... I think they open it around 8 and they see what happens. Does that make sense to you? Because I don't think they want to give – I don't think they want to do 7. Because their, their limits are not going to be – their limits are not going to be high until Friday. So I think they open it around like 8 to see, to see what – to see how the action goes. I don't know. Here's the real question. How do you price Alabama right now? Do you try to price it based on power rating? Do you try to, like, I how you price them right now? Sure, but 
it's two weeks in a row where they're not even necessarily physical in the offensive line. They don't have a lot of dy- dy- dynamic stuff at wide receiver. The bigger thing to me is what do you even put with totals here? You can't count on them know. to score points. Like, do you just do the do you just do the standard college? Uh, you know, it's fifty five, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, and start it at fifty six and see where you know whatever somewhere around fifty six and see where it goes. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. Uh, yeah, quickly, Adam, Mizzou fan in the stream. Yes, I'm a complete idiot. I, I, I did. I said that there's a possibility Missouri is the worst team in the SEC. That was blasphemy. I was very, very wrong. No, I won't no, eat the it. The worst team in the SEC is the worst team in the SEC is in uh, on West End in it is. in Nashville, losing to UNLV tonight. Um, did you see how it. they lost that? Uh, they lost. Well, I, okay, I, it turned into a track meet, and then UNLV hit a field goal with like five seconds left. Correct. So UNLV turned it. Oh, so uh, Vandy ties it up. Vandy ties it up with like a minute twenty. UNLV turns it over with like fifty-five seconds left. Vandy plays it out to kick a field goal to essentially win the game. It's a thirty-yard field goal. Never even sniffs the uprights. Then. Uh, UNLV gets the ball back with like 35 seconds left. They run like inside zone. They get like 10 or 11 yards. Then they just kind of like out of nowhere just decide, ah, what the hell, let's just throw it deep up the sideline. And Vandy busted the coverage. And the kid goes for, you know, like 65 yards, steps out of bounds. They kick a field goal with nine seconds left, and they lose. Good. It is in this in – this, you know, as we've talked about on the shows on Thursday, in this world of we don't really know what this SEC is, this is not it's not something that any of us are familiar with, and we're all different ages. It is nice just to get back to the good old-fashioned Vanderbilt finding a way to lose. Like, there's something comforting about that. You know, it's like a nice, soft, warm blankie. It's like, uh, it's, good to, it's at least good to have that. And Tennessee can't win at Florida. Like, it's it's... Sometimes it's just nice to go back to the basics. Did you enjoy that? I did. I don't know. Do you why enjoy I it? Did. Yeah. Really yeah. Do you have a good time? I, I, I thought you probably might have turned that on, a little popcorn, said, "You know what? I, I'm going to have a good time with that. It's going to be all right today. We're good." Because there was, it's not like Florida was really that good either. Like it was just something. It was just like you know what? It's just in this day and age where nothing makes sense to me. Um, you know, it was just nice to go back to Tennessee goes to the swap, and the next time they'll win in the swap will at least be 21-plus years. So, I'm jumping around because I know you got to go in a minute. LSU. No, I'm just sitting here watching Colorado State, Colorado. I'm doing nothing. And I'm trying to keep my wife sane, and she's watching. She's furiously watching the baby monitor. Oh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you, you, how's that been? You're getting into your first weeks of college football and and parenthood at the same time. Are we multitasking well? Listen, Chase. Every week's a new week. It's a okay. learning process. Gotcha. You know what? Here's the here's the great thing. We are committed to the cause. We have, unlike Alabama, we have an offensive identity. Our identity is we do put the football first. It's fair. It's fair. I understand. What's on TV two right now? TB2 right now is Arizona and UTEP. Oh, God. Because okay. I, 
I have a decent sized wager on that bad boy. Okay. Yeah, I, I did. Hey, I, I, finally, I, hey, yeah. hey, I'm I'm heading into Sunday with a winning week for the first time Ooh, this season. That's big. I don't need I don't need the NFL to save me. I uh I, I did, Stephen. I checked on on Wes and his Twitter account a little, uh, a little while ago. He was he was he was blaming some officiating. He was very frustrated with his balls. He, he 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 got after it early. He got after it early because there was like a nondescript play. Yeah, and he was already talking about two blatant missholds. I was like. God damn! I wish I had that brand. No, like, I just do. Like that's just a good brand. Wes was completely on brand tonight because what he did was early on he wasn't worried. He was confident. Even at even at seven nothing when Florida got up and it was hey it's cute and it's whatever and the Gators are spunky and then you saw the turn. You saw the hey the official screw in Tennessee a little bit. Hey Tennessee just makes all these mistakes and he does like this five six worry scale and then when he gets up to like seven eight nine ten what happens is. He becomes like sarcastic and negative toward the balls because it's all getting emotional now, and that's when his own fan base starts hating him. And then it's oh, it's just mental, and they can't win here, and it's all hyperbolic and stuff. We got we got all five stages of grief from Wesley and his Twitter to, to, today. It was it, it was fantastic. Between that and me getting blown up by Mizzou fans for my M- Missouri takes, I, uh, I I had a pretty nice Saturday in those ways. You know what was fascinating though about the Tennessee game. I I could do, I could totally envision a world where Florida would win that game, but I thought the game was going to be Milton playing kind of like ass. Like he wasn't great, but he was certainly far from their like their biggest issue. Like he made enough throws that I would have thought like if he if you would have given me that stat line, I'd been like I think they're probably okay. Like he really wasn't that bad. It, it, it was the fact that like you know they just. They go into that place and it's a house of horrors, man. It's like when Ole Miss goes into Auburn. Like, even when Ole Miss has the better team, mm-hmm. there's just something about when they go into Auburn, it's just a house of horrors for them. Did today say more about LSU or Mississippi State? I think it said more about Mississippi State, right? They are not, they have no I, personnel I think- to run their offense. They are not very talented. Their defense is decent at times. But that's about it. It, it. It's a very flawed football team. It reeks to me of a team that has a defensive coordinator for a head coach. And he was going to come in and he was going to change things up. He was going to have an offense that would complement his defense. Because their defense was fine, but Chase, every time they got into like a need-to-have-it defensive stop, they just blitzed everybody, and they left neighbors one-on-one, and they don't have anyone that could cover neighbors one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, he goes off. Now, I do think if you, want to say, if you want to say that I'm wrong and it said more about LSU, here's what I think it would have been. LSU had a bad, like, 20 minutes of football in Orlando after a first half in which they could have knocked out Florida State, and they didn't. And maybe we were reminded – this team is still immensely talented. I think also they got away from using Perkins like, hey, let's put him as an inside linebacker. Like, no, screw that. Let's put him on the edge. Let's let him create havoc. And offensively, they started like, hey, neighbors, let's get him some one-on-ones. Let's give him a chance to make plays. And then we got a quarterback that's pretty mobile. Like, they kind of got back to an identity. I still think, though, what today said is like state state is uh 
We talk about Alabama having an identity crisis. I think State's mm-hmm. got a bigger one. Assuming Will Rogers stays healthy, does Mike Wright start a game at quarterback this season? I, I think he does, right? Because yeah. that's the other thing I, I kept thinking. Like, I kind of feel bad for Will in the sense of I bet Will was talked into staying, and Will probably should have gone. Like, when they brought in – when you bring in a Satterfield disciple – that's not an offense for Will. There's plenty of people in this country that run the air raid. He was better off going somewhere and just running the same system that he's comfortable with. And, like, because he's going to sit there and he's going to take a lot of blame for stuff that I don't really think is his fault. Like, do I think Will is, like, an elite, you know, going to be a drafted quarterback? No, but that guy can play college football pretty well. And mm-hmm. this offense is just such a disaster for him. I mean, he barely eclipsed 100 yards throwing today. That was it. It was like 104, 105, I mean, like, and, something like that. And you can tell every time, like, he's throwing it to where I – it seems to me like he's throwing it to space and there's not a receiver there. So I'm assuming the receiver is screwing up. And it's like, you know, he's the one that's going to take the blame for it because he's the one taking the snap. Buy or sell because of where it's on the schedule. Ole Miss is Georgia's hardest game in the regular season. Um, I still think you can make the argument for Tennessee. Um, I think what we saw today, though, is, I don't know, I, I felt all year that this Georgia team has 2010 Alabama vibes. That Alabama team, after they won the national title, where they lost three games, they lost in South Carolina when Steven Garcia had his blackout game, where he just like made every single throw possible and Alshon Jeffrey had a big day, and Lattimore had a big day. Then they lost at Baton Rouge to LSU, and then they lost on the comeback when Cam went into Tuscaloosa and had that big comeback. The problem is, does Georgia have three games like that on their schedule? Like, those three teams were all pretty damn good. Like, those teams had a lot of NFL talent. Georgia just, I don't know, Georgia just seems bored because, like, they went into the half, they got yelled at, they woke up, and then all of a sudden that game is over with. You know the other thing I, that that game got me thinking about? Uh, Spencer Sanders has been so unlikable for so long that I think it's going to kind of overshadow the fact that, like, this is his most admirable performance, like, this season has been. He's, he's been getting absolutely his teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. They can't block anyone. He's standing in there. He's making big throws. He's making tough plays. And he's actually playing some pretty good quarterback. But it's just like he's been just such a douchebag for so long that it's like you don't even want to give him credit. No, he's been good. I mean, that's what I kind of work from their standpoint. You went, hey, this is what this looks like right now. What does it look like when, without him? You know what I mean? That's kind of been my thought, my thought the entire time is, hey, if the program's in trouble, it's because at some point they got to replace that cat. 100% agree with you. I mean, that's – And, like, that, he's that's... sitting there. He's, like, hanging in there, hanging tough and, like, you would think like Spencer would be kind of making business decisions. Nah, he's like he's hanging in tough. He's waiting to the last second. He's trying to make plays. Like I don't know. I found myself. I found myself tipping my cap to him this year. So, well, first Colorado State now has scored a touchdown. Can they keep this up for uh, four quarters? Twenty-one uh, fourteen yeah, pending Colorado, PAT. Colorado's defense is pretty bad. Um, they just haven't really had anyone to. 
to force the issue on them. They've gone from Chandler Morris to Jeff Scott. I have no idea who this cat is for Colorado State, but I guarantee you that he's better than both of them. Um, can they keep this up, like, for four quarters? I don't know. But my thing is, like, Colorado's defense is not good enough to where you just sit there and go, oh, they're going to figure it out. I'm going to enjoy Oregon beating them next week. I'm going to kind of, like, set the set the, set the the TV and, and, and be ready for that. I don't know. For whatever reason, like, I'm just – I, 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 I'm good yeah. with Dion winning some games. I need him to lose one, though. Yeah, but don't hang in there. That's going to happen. Yeah, um, I know. I'm just I'm great. I'm grateful that there's in this day in college football where like so many people are like checking out because a lot of things around the around the country are kind of disgusting them. It is nice to have like a true wrestling character where you are either all Dion or you are an F Dion. Like he yep. is John Cena. It's like. Let's go, Cena. You know, Cena sucks. Like it's it, it is great to have that because, listen, we're all tuning in and watching, and that's that's good for us. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. No, it's been great for football. It's great for entertainment. I mean, it's making me be really interested in the game that otherwise I would have zero interest whatsoever. So we'll we'll hit this on Thursday. Give me the one kind of matchup, whatever, what's uh, what's the Alabama Ole Miss thing? It's sort of the appetizer or a moose-bouche going into the week. What are, you, uh, what are you looking for? Can Ole Miss make uh, – can Ole Miss take advantage of a bad offense? Mm-hmm. Can Ole, you know, I don't think – I don't think this has to be a situation where, like, Ole Miss, like, goes in and puts up 30. But can Ole Miss – like – they were talking about it on the broadcast. Since the last time Ole Miss went in with a quarterback advantage, I think we're both clear on that. That was 2015 when Ole Miss went in with Chad Kelly, 100, and Alabama went in with went in with Cooper Bateman and uh, Jake Coker. I think the more interesting question is: before that, would you rather have Blake Sims or Bo? Oh, I think I'd rather have Bo. I think so too. The argument for Blake would be Blake did have Blake was not like a Blake was not like Milrow. Blake was pretty good with the ball and he had good legs, but I think you're right. Then before that I think they're right. The the last question is like it, it's Eli. when yeah. Olmus had Eli. Yeah, yeah. Although I, who did was it was it uh who who was it in oh was it Masoli versus John Parker Wilson? That's what I was trying to think. I was trying to think of like Snead in 08 and who would have been at Bama and then what would have been there in 10. I think it was I think it would have been Masoli versus John Parker Wilson and then Snead versus John Parker Wilson. I think that's what would have, what it would have been. Okay. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. You uh you staying up for all four quarters of this? Oh, baby. I, all right, you're in. I, I got Arizona Arizona's up 7 nothing. Uh my daughter has stopped screaming for the first time in how many hours? Two and a half hours, okay. it sounds like. Um, so we're good. All right, enjoyed it. We'll talk oh, Thursday. Also, yep, my, yep, my yep, buddy, yep. my my buddy Pat. I did I did not put I did not put any action on the game because I knew the injury report. But my buddy wants everyone to know out there, Ole Miss is three and zero ATS since Josie has entered the earth. Oh, little uh, little tip for Alabama next week, there, Joe. I'm just saying that's he those he is the only person that is three and zero on that. I am not. Okay, there uh, there you go. Enjoy your night. Appreciate it, bud. All right, boys. All right. Jeffrey Wright joining us there on the uh, show. We'll move on to uh, 
the next in one second. Yeah, Colorado State has scored again, 21-14 now for the uh, for the Rams. We're going to try to get Brian on with that same link because I would definitely like it fixed. I don't know why that screen is there. Let me get rid of that real quick. There we go. Okay, got that out of the way. We'd like this fixed before Neil joins us here before too long. So, uh, going to give it a shot. If, if not, it is what it is. I am, uh, I'm admitting it is my fault. It is completely my fault. But you know what? It's okay. We test things in real time. We'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, 21-14 here at Colorado State. Arkansas losing to BYU today, too, from a uh, standpoint of something that I, I didn't expect. I mean, I did think BYU could give them trouble. I knew it Rocket Sanders out that it was a, uh, a good possibility of that being a game. But I did not anticipate uh, the situation where Arkansas would actually lose that football game today. That was uh, interesting, telling. I don't know. I mean, call it whatever you want to call it. But that was uh, that was kind of fascinating for uh, for me today in uh, in that one. So Colorado gets it back here uh, quickly. Let me go to a little bit of stats on today. Got these here. Um, Ole Miss totaling 550 yards, Georgia Tech 477, 299, as I mentioned, on the ground there for uh, Ole Miss, 167 for Georgia Tech. Uh, Ole Miss uh, throwing for 251, as mentioned. Haynes King ends up throwing for 310 for the Yellow Jackets. But uh, that, you know, really, other than the two busted coverages, there was not a ton that King did through the air. That's not what hurt Ole Miss today. When, when they got hurt through the air, is because they did things on their own that caused those problems. Um, there for uh, for Georgia Tech. That was not anything to do with uh, with King, in my opinion. Yeah, Dart runs for 136, Bentley for 61, Judkins for 37. Matt Jones gets that uh, very efficient one carry, 36 yards, one touchdown. Happy for uh, him. That was really uh, really cool there for uh, for him. Let's see, see if Brian is jumping on. He said he was, but I don't have it uh, it quite yet. So. He'll be here in just uh, in just a second. Uh, Ole Miss one punt, forty-one yards, and then Cade Davis. He misses his first kick of the year, but he uh, he knocks in two of them, hits his forty-seven yarder, hits the forty-five yarder, and then the uh, other one was blocked there for uh, for him at the end of the first half on that drive where Ole Miss did a good job to get into uh, into field goal range. Uh, Trey Washington ten tackles to lead Ole Miss. John Baptiste with uh, eight, Ashim Young with uh, six, and then still didn't play a ton of plays, but I thought that um, I thought that Perkins played well in some spots, had a couple really big plays there at the uh, at the same time. I mean, they've still got to get him in the game more. I, you know, I thought just from an athleticism that they probably would try to play him a little more, get him in there, get him comfortable. Um, but I, I did think he was impactful a couple times there from that standpoint when he, uh, when he had some opportunities. So there was uh, – was that at least in uh, as well? Um, Brian, can I hear you now? Yeah, can you hear me? There we go. All right, we got Brian. He's uh, he's hey, here. Okay, so what happens? And this is interesting. I guess this is for uh, my uh, my pro tip. When I go to this screen, it's switching my audio from my AirPods to uh, the the microphone that I'm using. So it was using audio there from the uh, microphone. So, uh, Brian, did you go to the game for a little while tonight? I did. I went for a half. I went and sat with uh, my mother and my two aunts and uh, my soon-to-be wife, fiance, and uh, hung out for a bit. 
Uh, great atmosphere. Uh, talk about it like a SEC-like atmosphere. I thought the crowd and everything was terrific. Um, and it felt like an SEC game in early September, to be completely honest. Students, tons of uh, tons of students there. Um, they were there really early again. They've been there for both games. And, yeah, like as you said, the entire crowd really filled in. I, I think I stayed for the first half somewhere around there, and that's the most full, like, mid to late first quarter that I can remember maybe since, you know, the big-time A&M win even two years ago. I mean, it was – it was other than the Georgia Tech sections that you knew would be whatever. I mean, it was a really big uh, – it, it, it was an excellent fan turnout tonight, I thought, for Ole Miss. Completely agree. If Kiffin was going to criticize the fan turnout, it would have to be the fact that the nerds did not fill up their away section. That would be the only criticism there is. The only unfilled section was the uh, Georgia Tech people. So, um, I thought it was a great crowd. I thought people were invested. And I thought it was a pretty good football game for it turning out to be 24 points or 18 points or whatever the hell it ended up being. You do this thing where you typically uh, do a ton of offensive line watching. Your top, your t- you're, you're showing me reserves and guys going in and all this stuff. And they, they started McGee and Kern again. It was the same five as last time. But overall, what did you sort of see from a rotation standpoint there up front? And then just in general, I mean, they obviously were improved. But what, uh, what was your main takeaway up front for Ole Miss? Yeah, I thought they were pretty much improved overall. And the... Like a couple of years ago when I first started doing the podcast with Weldon, he was like, look at the offensive line. You'll be able to tell a lot about the offense in general because of that. And so I've always just kind of made a note of like each drive, who comes out the offensive line. Well, for the first three years of the Kiffin era, really wasn't anything to report. It was the same five guys every time. And for the most part, with Kern and McGee, it was the same thing most every time. But it seemed like for a drive or two per half, that they would put in Jaden Williams and then they would put in Eli Acker. And I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if that's any significance at all, but it was like they had a starting offensive line, but on the left side, they would sub in those two guys, which only seems to be the positions of question for like a drive per half. And I'd have to go back and watch again tomorrow to see if it made any difference or if there's actually anything there. Maybe they're trying to keep people happy, but I do think they have their starting offensive line. It's just fascinating to me that, you know, you get, three, four drives into a game and they will sub in their entire left side and sub them out for a drive and then go back to the starters again. I don't know what's up there, but it was just something I noticed. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion, no need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. I lost you for a second. What did you say? What other games did you watch today? Watched a lot of LSU, Mississippi State. Um, holy cow, Mississippi State looks real bad. Um, you know, I take pleasure sometimes in reading Mississippi State message boards. It's just a guilty hobby of mine. It's like crack. Um, 
I still have a 247 staff account. I hope I'm not outing myself there so I can access all the other Mississippi State 247s account. There are a lot of uh, angry posters saying that it reminded them of the Krim era. I got to be completely honest. I don't think that's a total exaggeration. I don't think Mississippi State will descend into the Krim era. But, man, offensively, you watched the same thing I did. It, it was really, really bad. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, I talked about that with Jeffrey. They're, they're, they're horrid. And it doesn't fit scheme. It doesn't fit anything that they're doing right now in so many different ways. I mean, I the West is such a weird division. I don't know how to handicap everything because you know, even look at what you know. I get Auburn won that game at Cal. Cal was getting blitzed today by Idaho. I don't know what the final score was, but at one point that was seventeen to nothing. I mean, everybody in this division has all sorts of issues, but from a systemic issue standpoint. I'm not sure anybody has more systemic issues than Mississippi State. I mean, I, I and look, it's that fan base that has like this. I, mean, I know it hit every fan base and every message board and all that kind of stuff, but they want to just throw Will Rogers out to pasture right now. They want to be done with him, and they're blaming the quarterback instead of blaming the coach that does nothing to fit his actual skill set. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's amazing. So when Mike Leach took over, remember, it was not a huge transition. They didn't need different offensive linemen to run the air raid, and they didn't need a different quarterback. Well, then when they sucked in 2020, I guess part of it got wiped away by COVID. That was a big transition. Now, when they go back to Bard Bay and whomever, it wasn't supposed to be a big transition. Remember, they were all on brand. They all got their talking points. It was not supposed to be a transition out of the air raid. Well, guess what? probably a pretty big transition out of the air raid. And I don't know what they do. They clearly refuse to play Mike Wright. That Parsons kid, they don't seem to believe in because everyone I talked to at Mississippi State seems to be of the belief that the replacement for Will Rogers is not on campus yet. So what do you do? I mean, in that offense, the way they want to try to run it, why would you not just play Mike Wright and just see what happens? Because again, 
I don't know a ton about Real Rogers' backstory, but man, outside of an air raid offense, that kid struggles to complete passes nine to ten yards through the air. I'm not even talking about nine to ten yards down the field. Why would you not just go with the kid that gives you a little bit of mobility? They refuse to do it. I don't know what they do. It's a year where they have eight home games. Again, I don't want to overreact in September, but can you see them beating any SEC opponent they have on their schedule with the way they look today and last week, by the way, by getting very lucky to beat Arizona? I'm having a hard time going overly hyperbolic on anybody in the SEC after what happened today. When you've got Carolina up on Georgia at one point, you've got Alabama playing with its food completely there um, against South South Florida. I mean, BYU beats Arkansas. Like it's just this league is one of these deals where it's matchup and it's emotion and it's so week to week and it's just taking care of your own business and and making sure that whatever your issue is because everybody got issues, everybody got something that it's not at the one or two most critical spots that's going to kill you relative to the team you're playing that single week. It's why I, I, I like Ole Miss and LSU right now, is that for two, they, they have quarterback play, Jaden Daniels and, and, and Jackson Dart, and then they showed some resilience about them. Because I get State sucked today, but I give LSU some credit. They came back after that loss two weeks ago to Florida State. They played really sound football. They did a lot of really, really good stuff. You, know, I, you, you just look and see kind of not culture or anything. I don't want to use too many buzzwords. But what you are seeing is just the ability for teams to sort of withstand. Because Ole Miss, two weeks in a row, I, I think this is critical and maybe one of the main takeaways from this game. is that, and, and I said this with Jeffrey for a second, but I'll elaborate a little more. Tulane was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. Georgia Tech, it got cut to seven with ten minutes to go. They scored twice. It, it's right there. In both times, Ole Miss has answered the bell. Darts made big plays. They've done so many things that's taking them out of the conversation that is happening to all these other SEC West teams. All these other SEC West teams are getting into rock fights, and they either lose or they struggle or they can't put teams away, and they just do stuff. Because, look, I get Florida State is better than Georgia Tech or Tulane. I'm, I'm not doing that thing where I like exactly the same. But LSU and Florida State were tied at 17 at the half. And then Florida State ran them out of the building and LSU quit. So if you're Ole Miss, what looks really good for you right now is the resolve they have. I mean, it looks like Lane was 100% right when he talked about them handling adversity in this season compared to last season and what this looks like from a, a, a culture standpoint. And look, they got to get healthier. They, they, they do. There's no doubt Ole Miss needs more weapons before Tuscaloosa next week. But at the same time, in a, in a vacuum, not relative pound for pound, but just in general, they've been the most resilient team from simply – not getting into these situations. Instead, they're covering games, they're blowing teams out, and they're finding ways to separate instead of getting into their Cheerios, falling back, and then getting into some five-minute game they have to go win at that point. I think that's incredibly well said. And if you look at the SEC, I mean, you talk about the West Division, it's really across the SEC. Who has impressed you? I would say the answer is probably nobody. And the reason that I think the expectations for the Zone Miss team for me has changed through three weeks has had little to do with how Ole Miss has played, other than that resiliency aspect, which you outlined very well. But it's everyone around them. Does LSU scare you? Does Alabama really scare you? It seems as wide open of a conference. And I feel like for the last you know, decade and a half or two decades plus, we've gotten used to, okay, Alabama's going to be Alabama. Georgia kind of came on and they became the new Alabama. And it's like, okay, well, what happens behind them? 
it seems more wide open than it's ever been. And my, that's the reason I would think my expectations have changed for this Ole Miss team more so than anything they've done. It's just the sheer fact of, is anyone around them actually any good? I'm not saying Ole Miss will beat Alabama next weekend, but man, would it stun me? No, not in the slightest. And then you get LSU the next week at home. It seems more gettable than at any point in the time that I've been closely following SEC football at all. And that's what's crazy to me. And I'll give you a little bit of insight. I ran into the guy that runs Skybox Sports Picks. Sign up now. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? The world's greatest handicapping service. I ran into our guy today who will remain nameless. And I said, hey, what are kind of your early metrics saying about Ole Miss Alabama? And he says, Alabama eight and a half point favorite. And I was like, man, really? Like, what would you guess that line was tomorrow? I know you, you're big on the early lines. What would you guess the line is tomorrow after this South Florida game? Granted, I talked to him to this before the South Florida-Alabama game really got going. What would you guess the line is? My bad. Yeah, I think we had talked to Jeffrey about this, and it was at eight or eight and a half in our conversations because you just sort of set it there, and then you see where it goes. You know what I mean? Like, you let the money run it one way or the other, but it's like a good standard. Look, Alabama's at home. They've got name value. You convince yourself that still nationally teams bet on Alabama simply because – um, Lane gets really geeked up this way and, w- and what that looks like. So I think in some ways it's it, it's a deal of you just put it there and then you, you, you can branch off depending on what's, what's up at that point. So if you're determining who's the favorite in the SEC or the SEC West, again, I'm not saying Ole Miss is the favorite or should be considered in that. In the overarching factor quarterback, and if you're Ole Miss in a wide open league that seems to have quarterback issues and traditional blue blood powers, they're one or two, whether you want to take Jackson Dart or um, Jaden Daniels, like wouldn't you take him one or two? And you pointed that out last week when you filled in for Weldon. For all Mrs. Flaws, they got a quarterback, and it seems like a lot of other places don't. What do you make of Ole Miss's defense? They made adjustments after halftime. That I thought they played pretty well in the secondary for the most part. Look, they've still they still have some issues at, at linebacker, but it's something you don't necessarily have not seen from an Ole Miss defense consistently year over year. Now, they did it a little bit in 21, but when Haynes King couldn't throw downfield and they had a hard time, that Ole Miss front actually pinned their ears back, played really sound football for like a quarter there. And I and look, I, I get I'm picking one small sample size, but at the same time, I thought, hey, there is a progress there a little bit. I mean, you know, you look at the overall stats. The first half still kind of ugly. You can't let Georgia Tech do a 12-play drive, a 13-play drive, and then a 17-play drive. You've got to get off the field. That's got to get better at times. But from an adjustment standpoint, that front four and then sort of the players you need to make plays. DeAndre Prince was really active again tonight. I thought he played really well. Um, Trade Washington had a huge coverage bust, but otherwise he, he was very sound in the tackling game. He did a lot of good things. They're getting better. They're they're accepting coaching. I mean, I think there are things about that defense because it was never supposed to be a top 20, top 15 defense. It was supposed to be a defense that improved and did some things and situationally made plays. And they've done a really nice job about that. I mean, they've been in the right place. You know, their, speed, their lack of speed in the middle of the field has kind of gotten them at times from a tackling standpoint. But for the most part, I feel like they, they, they are running correct assignments and they are at least getting better week over week over week relative to the opponent. I mean, I, I, there's, a, there's a part where that's all you can really ask at that point. 
I thought the biggest takeaway defensively this week was the fact that it seemed like they could generate a consistent pass rush. Not only with Cedric Johnson, they seemed to have some guys on other sides, and they moved Cedric Johnson around, and around him had a pretty uh, consistent pass rush. This was a very hard game to evaluate defensively. I'll, I'll be very interested to go back and watch it tomorrow. There was a point in this game, if I'm not mistaken, that I think Georgia Tech had 390 yards of offense, only averaged four yards of play and had three points on the board. How in God's name, how could you make that make any sense? Like it was just a very weird game in that aspect. And it probably speaks to the fact that, as you mentioned, like getting them off the field, almost struggled on third down, particularly early in the game. But it was a very bend don't breakish effort. And I thought in the areas that I was questioning Ole Miss, they proved to be pretty sturdy in those, whether it's pass rush or the fact that they're on their assignments. You know, we talked about last week that it was a very assignment-driven game. Maybe that's why Centurion Perkins didn't play as much. Man, he really popped. I don't know how many snaps he played, but there was a point early in that game where he seemingly just kind of teleported around the left tackle and then just jumped and got a guy behind the line of scrimmage. They have some guys. I think they have enough of it. I just I'm I'm curious about their depth, but their top end guys, I really do think fully healthy. They could be a very competitive defense that gives them enough to accomplish the goals they want to accomplish. I lost you again. Are you meeting yourself? Do you not want me to talk to you? What what's going on here? Well, see, what's happening is I've got feedback going, so I have to mute myself when you're talking. I'm, 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 look, I'm doing stuff on the fly. Somebody said Chase doesn't operate great past 9 p.m. There's probably some truth to that, but you know what? We're we're, we're, we're engineering this thing. We're making it happen. We're getting a show in. I, I'm, my blood pressure might be up, but I'm actually proud of my effort tonight, guys. I'm, I'm actually proud that we're getting through this. We're, we're fixing problems. I mean, it's it, it, you learn a lot just uh, trying to produce and host and do everything. I, I give McCready credit. He's uh, he's figured this thing out a little better than I am. He's had a little more practice, but he's uh, he's he's got it going all right. What I was saying is that Pete has a he had a couple plays to really be able to yell at him with because those two busted coverages could have been huge problems. I mean, they had the fifty-two yard catch or whatever it was to Singleton down the middle of the field that led to the touchdown when Tech got a little m- m- momentum. And then there was also the uh, play right after that where um, – sorry, the drive right after that where they left him wide open in the end zone for the touchdown on fourth down. So he gets plenty to yell at. It, it, it's right there whenever you uh, need to go to it. I mean, it, while, it wasn't, while it was better, it definitely wasn't, uh, wasn't perfect as well. It uh, looks like Neil is back from the press conference. I'm going to jump into him. Brian, appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's do it again next week, bud. Absolutely. Y'all have a good night. I will admit, uh, will commend your effort. Your blood pressure does look up, but I mean, if you're a big famous author out there with your book cover in the background, you're <laughs> catching a stray there from Rippy on his, uh, on his way out. Appreciate it, bud. We'll talk soon. Good, good to see you. I'll talk to you next yeah. week. Let's see. Let's try to get Neil in now. One second. Mr. McCready, how are you? I'm good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear you perfectly fine. I think we're uh, we're good to go. We have not seen anything. We're watching Colorado State give uh, Colorado all they want up here. We're talking about some uh, talking about some of Ole Miss's things. What did uh, what 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 would Lane say? What did, uh, what was the Kiffin message tonight? Well, there's no sarcasm at all from him tonight at all. It's, you know, it was shocking. I'm kidding. Um, you know, he it's the same old thing. I mean, I put it up in quick hits on the site. He, most of the talk was about this game. I tried to turn the page at one point to Alabama, and he really didn't take that bait just yet. So 
I mean, they've got a lot of injuries, a lot of things to overcome. Defense has to tackle better. They've got to get off the field on third down, but they're 3-0. and That's the best they can be after three games. You know, did they give any – I mean, is there any semblance of injuries or what anything looks like at all? I'm sure it's a no, but I'm going to at least ask. Like, it, it, It's that deal where you're the, the, the prosecuting attorney and you have a chance to maybe get a guy to say something. You go, you know what, he's going to plead the fifth, but we're still going to spend the eight seconds to ask the question. So just, just I mean, ask. The only, the only thing close to that was that whatever it was that was bothering Quinshawn, he gutted through it and played some. That was the extent of it. He wouldn't even he wouldn't even specify that it was ribs, even though we all know it was ribs. <laughs> Fair or enough. Caden uh, Prescorn's got a foot because he's wearing a boot. I mean, it's. I'm going to guess it's not a wrist injury. <laughs> so, I, you and I didn't discuss this because I, I had left after halftime, but I, I've kind of talked about this with Jeffrey and Brian. Ole Miss's ability to make some adjustments after halftime. They, they give up these three huge drives Georgia Tech in the first half. And, you know, I, I told Jeffrey, I think Dejon Anthony's breakup in the end zone was the play of the game because that thing gets completely different if he doesn't knock that ball out on fourth down and doesn't let Ole Miss take a cushion into the half and kind of reset. But the defense getting off the field, those first two possessions of the second half, and then turning those into touchdowns, it, this is sort of a hypothesis that I have going into the week, and this is sort of setting up all of our coverage for the, the week of podcast, is if you like Ole Miss's chances that they get any healthy, what's maybe the thing they've done better than any other SEC team, SEC West team at least, is handle their adversity and separate and not get into these rock fights at the very end of games. That's two weeks in a row that Ole Miss has been in games that very easily could have gone the other way. They could have lost. They could have gotten into overtime situations. They could have done all these different things. And instead, they found a way to make a stop or two, put a drive or two together, and separate. You look around, Arkansas, Alabama, other teams aren't doing this. So Kiffin really is getting even more of that proof of concept that maybe he's right about the chemistry and the adversity and all that stuff that potentially happens. Yeah, it could be. That's you're right. That's two weeks in a row that it could have gotten kind of squirrely, and it didn't. And twenty four to seventeen, even after A and M came, not A and M, um, Georgia Tech came back with a couple of uh, a couple of touchdowns, and and made it a one score game to get the field goal, and then to get a stop, and then to add on and make a couple of big plays. The passing game really had not been there, and suddenly they hit a couple of big plays. I mean, there is a level of resilience and and um, sort of perseverance with this team that. I'm not sure that we we saw last season. Again, I I wrote this in my column. I mean, we these have been pop quizzes that we knew were coming, pop quizzes that weren't big parts of the grade. That you, you knew you were going to pass them. There was never a point tonight that I thought, you know, they could lose to Georgia Tech. It never crossed my mind. But they have answered the bell in those situations, and that two-lane game could have gotten weird, and the game tonight could have gotten weird. And and they didn't they didn't let it get weird. Instead, they kind of turned both of them into what looked like blowouts. And so we're about to find out what this team is, though, because, I mean, we've talked about this for months, it seems like, and here we are. Not just results-based, but the way it looked, Ulysses Bentley looked like an SEC back tonight. Had six carries. He had 61 yards. I thought he had some some burst to him there on a couple of those early runs with Judkins banged up, whatever he's dealing with. And with Ole Miss, we don't know what the pass catcher situation is going to be like. We don't know if Franklin's going to play next week. We don't know what Prescorn is going to look like. All these different things. Trigg did nothing tonight. They're going to at I'll least the need cold some water running backs guy. here. Yeah, go I'll ahead. The, yeah, I agree with you. I'll be the cold water guy about the receivers. I mean, I mean Franklin hasn't played a snap. To expect that he's just going to go to, into Tuscaloosa against an Alabama defense. We keep talking about Alabama's offense. Yeah, it's pretty rough. But their defense is pretty good. 
he's going to go in against that defense and go 50 snaps. That, to me, that's unrealistic. And frankly, the same holds for Caden Priestcorn. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's a realistic ask. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm, I mean, if you're counting on Trey Harris and Caden Priestcorn and, and Zachary Franklin against Alabama, we, we have different life views. I'm not saying yours is not better than mine, but I think mine might be more realistic than yours. <laughs> So yeah, they, they have to run the football. Um, they, they need to get Quinshawn going, but it was a big deal for them to get production out of Bentley today. But look, the, the reason, in my opinion, that this team is three and zero and not two and one or even one and two, or the reason that there's optimism heading to Tuscaloosa is because they're getting elite play out of their quarterback. He's not he's not making mistakes. He's taking what's what's given to him. He admitted tonight that he probably should slide, but he keeps forgetting to slide. It's probably something he's got to work on. I mean, he just can't keep taking hit after hit after hit after hit. But he plays with a level of toughness that, you know, that they haven't had that, not knocking previous quarterbacks, but this guy's just got toughness for, in spades. And, and he makes big throws and he doesn't make mistakes. Um, I know he's, what's he done, one pick all year and, and, and it was on a play where the receiver fell. Um, he, he's just been. He's just been really good. You can tell that he commands the huddle. He commands the team. Uh, guys respect him. They want to play hard for him. They want to impress him. I mean, I, I think through three games, it's not even a it's not even a debate about who the MVP of this team is. It's it's Jackson Dart. He's been amazing. He was really good tonight. I mean, he doesn't have his weapons. He goes into the game not knowing, you know, what they'll be able to get out of Quinchon, and um, you know, their offensive line's clearly struggling some, and you get the holding calls and stuff like that. And he just perseveres and makes play after play after play. And he's the reason, in my opinion, that when they go to Tuscaloosa on Saturday, they've got more than a puncher's chance. Well, you go into a game where you have not just the better quarterback, but the better quarterback in spades to whatever the hell Alabama is going to do at this point mm -hmm. at, at that position. I'm, what do you expect? I mean, what's your guess on what they help, what they do at that position? <sighs> My guess is they go back to Milrow, but I was watching some of uh, Nick Saban's post-game press conference, and you know he he obviously wanted to get a look at Buckner, he wanted to get a look at Simpson, and 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 he was disappointed based on what he said that in Milrow's preparation this week and Milrow's attitude this week after finding out he wasn't going to start against South Florida. So, I mean. I, I thought Saban looked kind of frustrated with that. I mean, he's never going to come out and say those words that, hey, I'm frustrated. But I thought he looked frustrated with just the lack of that coming together. Look, they made a mistake. I mean, there were guys in the portal that they wanted to go get or they thought they might be able to get. They, they weren't able to get it done, whether they couldn't put the right package together or, or they got beat out or whatever happened, happened. But they are a quarterback short. And when you watch them play, and I watched a good bit of their game today, it, it exposes everything in the same way that if – I mean, if Ole Miss just had an adequate quarterback right now, this would be panic time. The fact that they haven't – what I think is becoming an elite quarterback is what gives them a chance to overcome all that. Alabama does not have an elite quarterback. They've got, they've got three guys and one can run the ball and can't do other things. You've got one that, that does not make good decisions yet, and you've got another one that's just – he's not mobile enough to operate their offense and he doesn't throw the ball particularly well. I mean, I think they're in trouble at the quarterback position. I wrote this tonight. I mean, I think you can make the argument that they're the fourth best team in the West. I mean, I think you can argue legitimately that LSU, Ole Miss and Texas A&M are all better than them. 
and offensively, Arkansas is better than them. Yeah, today, the answer is State, but Arkansas and State both going into a lot of soul-searching, or can Arkansas go, hey, Rocket didn't play and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, that, that was a pretty ugly game for most of it. Yeah, no, so, I mean, it wasn't Sanders. They didn't, they didn't get production from their defense. That was the kind of – look, they got a really rough stretch coming up. We'll talk about it during the week. But that, that was the kind of loss that can set some things in motion. In much the same way that the win for Missouri today is the kind of win that can set some things in motion. You, you might have seen two programs do this today. Big win for Missouri. That's a big loss for Arkansas. That's, I mean, they got – what do they have left? They have LSU now, then A&M, then Ole Miss, then Alabama or something along those lines. I mean, you know, you could, you could look up and be two and five and suddenly you're talking about firing coaches and there's some people that would make sense there. So that's that's probably something to watch. That was a big loss for them tonight. It wasn't offense, it was defense. You thought LSU looked like themselves today, right? I did. I thought they looked terrific. I, I, I mean, I I don't – anybody that tries to spin that, I mean, no, I thought they looked great. I mean, Daniels was fantastic and they couldn't guard uh, neighbors. They, they were productive in their running game. I thought they looked pretty good up front most of the time. And then I thought defensively they looked like they were starting to kind of figure some things out. They've got some dudes on that defensive side of the ball now. And, and no, I, I thought – look, I thought LSU looked like a playoff caliber team today. And some of that is State is trying to force a square peg into a round hole and they're just hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. But, but LSU looked apart. Let's say more about Florida or Tennessee today. Um – Florida, you know, I mean, they, they, they lost to Utah. And everybody was like, oh, they're done. Fire the coach. He's recruiting at a really high level. They played really hard for him tonight. And they, they blew Tennessee out. Tennessee was the team that lost its composure, not Florida. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee looked really bad. Lost yeah, its most of the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that was a bad loss for them. Not just losing the game, but the way you lose it and the way you lose your cool. And you look like a bunch of thugs at the end of it. That's – that's bad for them. I thought for Florida, that was a that was a game you can build on. Yeah, Florida. We, we, we've buried Billy Napier too too soon for sure. Not us, just college football in general. There's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, look. I mean, we. we I, I, I'm I'm a little wounded this week. Okay, I, every one of my hot takes basically looks like the dumbest things that could have possibly been said in college football. I mean, I had Missouri worse than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has lost to UNLV tonight um, in a barn burner um, against the, 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 the running Rebels there. Vandy's destined for 0-8 in the SEC. They're not going to win an SEC game. They can't beat any of these teams whatsoever. Um, Tennessee did, just didn't look, for, look ready for prime time. I mean, it looked – you know, Heupel has built a really good program in a lot of ways, but he doesn't seem to have a lot of leaders on this team. You know, it, you know Hendon Hooker was a big deal with him gone. I mean, you can't just sure. – you saw Milton and go, hey, he can throw the ball down the field and he can do all this, but it, it doesn't translate 100% on everything else that Hendon Hooker was able to do. This this SEC, I think Georgia loses a game this year. I don't think they go 12-0. Their offense is just not good. It's just not. They don't do enough. They're going to get into a bunch of rock fights, and you, you lose a rock fight at some point if you just get into 12 of them and just, play those games. I just don't know who in the regular season can beat them. Well, I mean, that's the thing is even looking at it, it still looks like the most likely contenders are Ole Miss or Tennessee, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you have to pick someone, I mean, I, who else? I, I almost would pick Missouri or Kentucky over Tennessee. Was, if Kentucky I, has a, the right day, if Missouri has the right day, because look, Missouri almost did it last year, so you can't say they can't do it. That was a big win for them today. That that really was. It stuck out to me. That was that was gutty. The quarterback was hurt, played through it. I mean, they overcame the stupid clock management. The kid makes a 61-yarder. I mean, that's the kind of cathartic thing that you could see building. It's it's the part where, and look, I, I took it. I should have. I was making fun of Missouri in real time before they hit the 61-yard kick, so it's fine. I'll, 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 I'll eat it. I mean, we basically, everything about the fan base came at me except for Drew Locke's sister. I didn't have her coming at me anymore. It looks like she's moved on to – Whatever, it uh, was Mr. Quite the take on your part. Yeah, it was, but I'm still right. Drinkwitch is the worst game management coach in the SEC. He was completely bailed out, and that's why Missouri. It's like they got this huge win and this cathartic thing, and at the same time, you go, "God, we still made the dumbest coaching decision in the SEC to date this season." What are we? You know what I mean? Like, there's just this thing that kind of sits there because. They're winnable games for Missouri. I mean, if they just play decent, sound football, Kentucky, Devin Leary played really well tonight, and they were awful otherwise. They gave him no help. The Wildcats were abysmal outside of Devin Leary. They couldn't protect him. It's hard to see almost anybody in this league going 10-2 right now. It looks like we just got a big hodgepodge of, depending on the week, specific matchups, emotions, and just who decides to want to play football that day. Well, that's why I'm really interested to see what Ole Miss does with Alabama. I mean, if 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 Ole Miss is going to be the team that people think it's going to be, it starts Saturday. They they beat Alabama because everything we've always said all summer long still holds true. If they lose to Alabama, it's a real missed opportunity, and then you have your hands full a week later, and all of a sudden you could have two losses, and now you're like, ah, well, never mind. But you beat Alabama. This LSU Ole Miss game here is it's monumental. I've asked Brian. And then the other yeah, team, yeah. and then the other team that we're counting out—that's a mistake, because they have figured it out on offense. Is A and M? I know it was ULM, but A and M looked cohesive today. They 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 played well. They 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 did some good things. Um, what's the line next week? I've asked Jeffrey and Brian this. We actually kind kind of came to a consensus. Oh. Alabama minus five and a half. We believe it's going to be higher than that for them to set it and then let it come down or up depending on situations. I th- we, 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 Brian and Jeffrey and I all kind of think it's going to be around eight. Oh, God, give me that action. You want that? Yeah. I mean. What darts say tonight? All the right stuff. Um He's just a super confident guy right now. Likes his team. Um, I mean, I mean, here's the thing about Ole Miss, right? Is is can they play well enough on the offensive front to stay ahead of the chains, to use the tempo, to score some points, to put the pressure on Alabama's offense? That's the question. To me, it's all about up front. And there were times today where I just thought, God, this this the offensive line is just not good. And I don't. I think if you're sitting in in Bryant Denny on Saturday saying, "Man, this offensive line's not good," I don't think it's going to go well. 
Now, if they put it together and score some points and make Alabama chase points a little bit, that's not who they are. I mean, they were in trouble today. It was three to three, what, third quarter? Um, you know, three points against South Florida. They were a 33-point favorite. So I think that's that's the key. And and to me, this is just a monumentally big game for Ole Miss. I don't think there's any way around it. You win this game and all of a sudden 10 and 2 and a lot of stuff's on the table. You lose this game and it's probably not. Um, as as mentioned by Grind a second ago, preseason line on this 14 and a half. You could have gotten oh, Ole Miss feel, Alabama in 14 and a half back in back I feel in the really good about that right now and start spending that money. I mean, I, I think it's a coin toss. They're talking about the offensive line in the stream. Last thing, and we'll, we'll, we'll get out of here. They're going to play this rotation. They're still not playing Jaden Williams a ton. I mean, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's McGee and it's Kern and – they're obviously playing. They're, they're they're playing in the majority of the snaps. Pettis has had a lot of mistakes over there on that on that tackle spot. It's been pretty rough. You you just now saw it, didn't you? Yeah, you're behind. Sorry. We have some Cubs stuff in real time as this is uh as this is playing out. Yeah, I was catching it in the stream right before um that uh that happened. What is what are the standings right now? I think Arizona pulled within a half game just then. Okay. For the second wild card? Yeah. And then I think okay. it's real close after that. The Cubs are in danger of falling out of the whole thing. What I was going to ask is they need a rotation, right, in offensive line? They don't have five guys. I mean, like, it's, it's, just, it's just – I mean, at some point this is going to pop you. Yeah. I mean, they're rotating guys because they're searching for something. They don't – they're not getting consistent play at left tackle. They're not getting consistent play at right tackle. He's been bad. Simply one. I mean, he's got he made everybody upset tonight. Um, he had a couple of holding calls that derailed drives. Um, you know, I don't think guard, center guard, they're getting – I thought they've improved a little. But they're still – they need to get better there if they're going to – if they're going to hold up against LSU – they're going to hold up against Alabama defensively. They're, they're, they're going to have to get better up front. To me, that's the, that's the whole that's the whole story this week is can you get an, anybody back from a weapon standpoint? But realistically, you're not. We already covered this ground. You're not going to really get those guys back realistically and get a lot out of them. So you just got to play better up front. You 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 have to be clean. You you have to. But now you know. Ole Miss defensively today gave up 477 yards. They gave up. Some long drives. We talked about how the first half. I think, I think uh, Tech had 50, 40 plays for two hundred and something yards, right at two hundred yards. Had a field goal blocked. Had to settle for a field goal. Went for it on fourth down in the end zone. Didn't get it. I mean, had long drives. Thirteen play drives. Eleven play drives. I mean, I, I think you've got to get. I don't think you can let Alabama do that next week. But I think Georgia Tech's probably better offensively than Alabama is. Yeah, that's where I was going to finish. Last thing, how good is Georgia Tech, in your opinion? Like, I mean, because that's the problem. I mean, we're, we have no really idea of how to compare these SEC West teams because even who they're playing looks just all over the place right now. I mean, you know, Auburn is undefeated, but obviously Cal barely scored points and all that crap, and they were losing to Idaho at one point today. And whatever. I mean, I, I think they're okay. 
well coached. You could tell they were well coached. Mm -hmm. They played hard. Um, I thought the quarterback played pretty well, really. Thought he did some good things. He made them certainly more serviceable offensively. Um, they got after Ole Miss offensive, uh, defensively. They just couldn't. They couldn't hold up at the end. But they had some some period there where they had kind of had the Ole Miss offense stifled a little bit. I thought they were a good team. I mean, Georgia Tech and Tulane, if they played each other, it'd probably be a pretty competitive game. Yeah, Tulane knocking off Southern Miss twenty-one to seven, I think today in uh, I think in Hattiesburg, yeah. something like that. Yeah, they pre-handled it. Uh, congratulations to Kane Womack. They uh, hammer Oklahoma State today in Stillwater. Just talking about uh, some people we talked to and discussed and whatnot. Um, so you'll have a you'll have a happy camper on uh, McCready and Siski later in the week. Uh, Who so. won that Troy James Madison game, by the way? Uh, I don't know. Let's find out real quick. It I don't have an answer to that. Really close fourth quarter. Oh, really? I think uh, James Madison was up two. They won 16-14. Okay. Yeah, James Madison 16-14 on that one. So, yeah. All right, get out of there. We'll uh, we'll talk on Monday, obviously. Neil McCready there joining us to uh, tonight from the press box at Bottom Hemingway Stadium. Again, Ole Miss knocking off Georgia Tech 43 to uh, 28, sorry, 23. I guess, again, ended up covering, of all things. Not just not just winning, but Ole Miss covering tonight there uh, in Oxford. That's what, as everybody says, good teams win, great teams cover. Ole Miss uh, has really found a way to do that the uh, last couple weeks. And remember, all post-game shows brought to you by Dead Soxy, the new additions to the Ole Miss collection. Be the first to grab some of the new styles, such as the Sip, Hotty Toddy, Ole Miss Script, Sharks, and more. That's deadsoxy.com. And then you can select the new license designs there with uh, Dead Soxy. Again, 25% off with Rebel Grove and Dead Soxy on that one. So uh, we will uh, wrap it there. We've got a full week of podcasts coming up for you. Really appreciate everybody on the stream, your patience. I know I had a couple mistakes tonight, so I apologize for that. I really do. Um, I hate when that happens. We're, we're going to get better. we got LSU in two weeks back at home. got Alabama next week. got some big postgame shows coming. So we will uh, we'll improve. Just keep getting better for you guys. And as always, uh, the four percenters, thanks to Stanton and Brent. I saw those two uh, super chats out there. Really appreciate you guys as uh, as well. So uh, fun night. Ole Miss again, 48-23 over Georgia Tech. Again, full range of shows, podcasts, coverage at rebelgrove.com. Love each and every one of you. And we will talk to you again very soon.